بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا انك انت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من قولي والعمل والفعل والنيه والهدى انك على كل شيء قدير We ask Allah Azza wa Jal uh, that He allows us to embark on this new surah with khair and barakah and that He grants myself and all of us steadfastness, istiqamah and we ask Allah Azza wa Jal that He accept our uh, coming here tonight our uh, sitting from Maghrib to Isha both Fard Salah in the state of Wudu in the state of I'tikaf uh, this is a big blessing and so while attending a gathering where we are listening to the explanation of the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the, and the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a majlis of dhikr, a majlis of ilm. We ask Allah azza wa jal to allow us all to become rejuvenated from this gathering and may He allow our needs to be fulfilled. Uh, whatever issues we are going through in our lives, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to hear something which will uh, allow us inshallah some, uh, to gain some strength, some solace, some comfort, some understanding and how to deal with our individual issues. Inshallah. So we are starting now, inshallah, on Surah Al-Furqan. It's a quite, uh, not that long of a surah compared to the other surahs we've been completing. Uh, alhamdulillah. So it's the surah after Surah Al-Nur and the surah before Shu'ara. Uh, in a, it starts off in the last quarter of the 19th Juz and it uh, com- goes on to the first quarter of the 20th Juz. <laughs> And inshallah, uh, you know, we'll try to cover the first four to five verses today. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Tabarakalladhi nazzal al-furqana ala abdihi liyakuna lil'alameena nadheera. Alladhi lahu mulku al-samawati wal-ardi wa lam yattakhidh waladan wa lam yakun lahu shariqun fil-mulk. وَخَلَقَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ فَقَدَّرَهُ تَقْدِيرًا وَاتَّخَذُوا مِنْ دُونِهِ آلِهَةً لَا يَخْلُقُونَ شَيْئًا لَا يَخْلُقُونَ شَيْئًا وَهُمْ يُخْلَقُونَ وَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ لِأَنفُسِهِمْ ضَرًّا وَلَا نَفْعًا وَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ مَوْتًا وَلَا حَيَاةً وَلَا نُشُورًا وقال الذين كفروا إن هذا إلا إفك افتراه أعانه عليه وأعانه عليه قوم آخرون فقد جاءوا ظلما وزورا وقالوا أساطير الأولين اكتتبها فهي تملى عليه بكرة وأصيلا قل أنزله الذي يعلم السر في السماوات والأرض إنه كان غفورا رحيما الله عز وجل in uh, this surah he starts off with a discussion of the discussion of, him, of oneness of Allah توحيد then moves on to رسالة a big theme of the Quran prophethood and then the third about things related to the humans and the sharia regards to that. Surah Al-Furqan, the criterion 
Obviously, this is the name of the Quran. This is one of the names of the Quran, and this is the name of this surah. It is Furqan coming from the word Farq. We use this also in, besides Arabic, it's used in Urdu as well. Difference. Difference between this and that. What is the Farq between this and that? What's the difference? So Furqan, ala wazni fa'lan, is that which differentiates between two things. And here when it's referring to the Qur'an, it means that which differentiates between truth and falsehood, between haq and batil, between vice and virtue, between right and wrong. So in every aspect with regards to how should our belief be about a creator, you have extremes. You have those who say no God exists. Every, everyone has come out of on their own. You have the other extreme that says no, there are multiple gods, two, three, all the way up into the hundreds. Islam came and set, the Quran came and, and set the standard and mentioned clearly what's the deal about a creator. There is, there is a creator, but it's only one. Wrong is to think and to ascribe uh, to Allah that there are multiple, multiple gods. And it's obviously incorrect to say there's no God. Right in between there is, there is a God and that is one. When it came to the prophets, some said uh, that the prophets should be you know, angels, no, not a human being. How can it be a prophet, be an angel? How can a prophet be a human being and, uh, and be, we expect to follow him? They are angels or they are even beyond that. So in the worship of the, or rather in the obedience and the love of the prophets, some of them went and made them, ascribed divinity to them, claimed them to be the, the son of Allah Azza wa Jal, or God incarnated in the form of a human. Some of them simply said that we cannot believe, we will not believe a, a prophet who is a human. He must be uh, superhuman. He must not have a need to eat or drink, buy and sell, get married. We're not going to accept that. The other extreme that they went and said, no, prophets are just like us. No, they're actually sinful. And they attributed all sorts of human weaknesses and sins that morals of that normal average humans do attributed to their prophets and then Allah forbid some of them went ahead and went into battle against the prophets and actually killed the prophets so you have again extremes here Islam came Quran came and set the tone about that that there is the prophets are true they are sent by Allah they receive the message of Islam and the message of, of, of true oneness and guidance and hidayah from the one divine and only Allah uh, however, they are human. They're still human beings. But they're not the human beings you think that can come and commit all sorts of sins. They are humans that are ma'asum. They're protected from falling into sin. So every action of a prophet is a source of inspiration for us. A prophet does not speak even out of his own whim or desire. But they're still human. They need to eat. They need to drink. They need to lead their normal lives. And being a human being is actually a gift so that we can connect with them and we can see ourselves in them to a certain extent and we cannot like we won't be able to say well that's a prophet he's angel so he doesn't have any needs that's why he does that but rather we can connect with him at so many different levels they have emotions they get sad they get upset at times they feel overwhelmed at times all these things happen um, so they are human but not like any a human but not like other humans different 
but, but you are not going to ascribe divinity to them you're not going to ascribe them to me you're not going to say that they're gonna be, they are angels then when it comes to humans um, and all of us here do we have a law to live by or we can do, live as in the jungle you know, even the jungle as we've spoken about in previous tafsirs there's a law there there is law and order within the jungle too and they, everyone hunts on who they're supposed to hunt they don't just randomly hunt everything and they only attack those that they regard as a prey they don't randomly attack anything and everything so there is also a hierarchy there is a whole system this is all in nature what we call nature يعني, from Allah Azza wa Jalla as he says Allah revealed Allah revealed to the angel your Lord revealed what's Nahl? honeybee to build your home your hive in the mountains and you can build it in trees and places that are away from human interaction this is why you will always see the weird tight spot bees will have their hive random they're not going to sit there on your kitchen table and make a hive right so you, they naturally do that what does that mean naturally do that I always talk about naturally this and naturally that that's all divine guidance oh rabbuk your Lord guided them to your Lord ordered them to your Lord created an instinct within them so whatever we see in the jungle and outside in nature none of that is haphazard I mean subhanAllah if you study arm, the uh, fire ants you study you know different types of um, the varied types of ants out there in the jungles it is it is something that just shocks you to what degree these ants and these armies we're talking about millions right obviously millions how they communicate how they move how they um, uh, hunt when they hunt how do they build their burrows it's seriously something that it's every moment that you study it your jaws drop and you say subhanak glory be to you Allah this could be none besides you who could have done something as amazing as this if you haven't gotten a chance to read or, or, or study or watch a documentary on, 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 on one of these any of these small makhluqat of Allah an ant, a bee, uh, a wasp, a spider do so and it will be one of the most inspiring things that's why they say this is um, there's ayat Qur'aniya ayat matluwa there's verses of Allah which we recite and then there's ayat yani, mandur ilayha those ayat that you look at right? those ayat that you study not in the book but around you and we have to look and study that and it will inspire us so this is wahi from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that tells these insects to act in the manner that they do uh, so what about us do we have a sharia so you have one, uh, one group of people that says no you do whatever you want we don't have anyone to guide us we can do whatever we want we follow our nafs and the other group will say that uh, or other previous scriptures for example or even non-scriptures some have however they came up about with their rules and laws are so strict so difficult like it's mentioned regarding the Torah such strict laws that it becomes so difficult to live by where you're forced to come up with loopholes Allah calls it that the Quran came to remove the chains that were upon the previous nation meaning the commands were so tough to follow aglal is what you call like a toq you put a chain around a neck around a prisoner that's called aglal 
So the commands of the Torah were so tough to follow. The Quran itself calls it aghlal al-lati, aghlal. Those chains are on the neck which were upon the previous nations. Quran came, Rasulullah came to remove it. So third thing, the Quran came as fariq, bayn al-haq al-batil, bayn al-ifrat wal-tafrit, between two extremes. Quran came and said, this is how the sharia, you're not, you are not able to live however you want following your desires. You have to follow divine guidance. But also that divine guidance is not going to control every single aspect of your life. Right? We just mentioned this last week. That there are many things that are simply mabah, are permissible. You want to do it, you do it. You don't want to do it, you don't do it. Every single thing is not controlled. There are certain things that are controlled. But besides that, these are things don't eat. You eat from these things. Okay, don't eat. But then there's thousands of different things you can't eat. You can choose to eat anything from those things. There's no specific uh, insistence that you have to eat this or that. For, like this. These certain ways of in earning uh, living are haram. But then it is not something that only you can earn a living through these means. Again, the doors are open. So we, le- we learn that the deen is so easy in that sense that it does not try to control every single aspect of our life, but rather a, there is leeway. There's something which is completely haram, stay away from that. Something which is doubtful, stay away from that. But then still, what is permissible is so he- such a large amount of things that you have an option of choosing as you wish. And Rabi'i ibn Amir radiallahu anhu, when he uh, came to the um, uh, Rustum, the general of the Persian army, and Rustum asked him, why are you here? What can I do to help you? You are Muslims, look at you. You know, you're, you come here begging for some assistance or help from us. What can we do? So uh, Rabi'i ibn Amir radiallahu anhu told Rustum that no, uh, you know, it's a long story, but let me just get right to it. But he just gave him the letter and he says, We've come here. I haven't. I have. I haven't come to you. First of all, don't say what. Why are you here? I haven't come to you. In Allah we've been sent. Otherwise, if like you would say, like you know, you have nothing that would make us want to come to take from you. What have you got to offer in the first place? We didn't come from our own will. In Allah Allah Subhanahu wa Taala sent us to you. That's what we hear. That's it. The mentality that the Sahaba had was just amazing. In Allah Allah sent us. Okay, why did, why did Allah send us? For what? To take out slaves, humans, from the servitude and the slavery of fellow humans. To the servitude of the Lord of all humans, the Lord of all servants, the Lord of all creations. We have come to pull you out and imagine the entire army and all the servants and those who are used to making sajda to the emperor are listening to this man giving this talk and he says I have, we have been sent to have mercy upon all of you to take you out of the slavery from one another and to bring you out into the servitude of the Lord of the humans the Lord of all creation number two and to take you out from the constricted difficulty of this world to the vastness and enjoyment of this world this world not even the akhirah we're not even talking about akhirah right in this world we have been come we've been sent to take people out from the difficulty diq means tightness constrictedness the constricted nature of the life you're leading right now because you don't have iman in islam 
So no matter how much wealth you have, you're always going to be a slave to this dunya. And you will always be suffering some sort of depression, some sort of anxiety, some sort of stress, some sort of not fulfillment or info, uh, you know, not, not being able to fulfill, not, not gaining fulfillment, even though you have all the things of the world, all the drinks of the world, all the enjoyments of the world, all the entertainment of the world, but there's still something there that just doesn't feel right. You have this hollowness in your heart. Islam has come to take you out of that constrictedness of this world to the vastness and the enjoyment and the relaxedness of this world. As a Muslim in this world, no matter what your situation is, you can, if you have proper deen in your life, you will genuinely be happy. You will genuinely be upbeat. You will genuinely be optimistic. You will genuinely be hopeful, even if the odds are all stacked up against you. Because we have something, we have a belief in the hereafter. And so even on the worst day, we're like, guess what? Allah Azza wa has a better day inshallah in stock for me tomorrow. And number two, in the akhirah, today if it was the worst day, trust me, for the patience I have uh, shown, and the patience that Allah has given me to handle this so-called worst day of my life, the reward I'm going to get in the hereafter will make me wish that I had a day like this every day of my life. Think about it. A true believer is the only one who can say this. That when I see in the akhirah what reward I'm getting for this super difficult day of my life, I will wish that every single day of my life would have been like this. Who can say this? Only a believer. Why I'm highlighting this here? Is that many times we think that if I live like a Muslim, I just I gotta suffer over here and then I'm gonna enjoy an akhirah. No. This is why I'm mentioning this. That if as a Muslim you will come out of the suffering from this world and enjoy the amazing, uh, you know, uh, the amazing things of this world because it has to, doesn't mean you'll immediately make a lot of money. It, it's about the heart. Your heart and your mind will be at peace. You will have such a viewpoint on life that will allow you to enjoy no matter what's given to you. This is what we're speaking about. This is what we're speaking about. You think uh, the people without Iman, no matter how wealthy they are, I th- I've mentioned this in many tafsirs ago, that there was a very interesting interview of a lady who was a, a tutor to the extreme 0.10% of the world, you know, the elite. This is what she did. She just went on to yachts and private islands, private yachts and the tutoring. So now after she did that job for many years, she wrote a book. And uh, there was an excerpt of it, I was just reading, where she just talks about sitting there uh, one day, in, you know, this is a private, you know, hundred, multi, many hundred feet yacht worth hundreds of millions of dollars. She's there, uh, you know, tutoring the kids of this billionaire. And um, she says, one day I'm on the deck. And she says, you know, as, even though they were the, I mean, she was a teacher, but the, the, their quarters were small. So they were, I mean, Ajib story she wrote. She was talking about sometimes uh, they told her, depending on which client she was going, they would say, don't use the laundry too much. You know, try to wear the same pair of clothes for a few days because you know the electricity goes up a lot when you use the laundry. These are billionaires speaking, right? But you say how cheap they would be when dealing with her. Um, that's the, pretty much the gist of what she wrote is just the akhlaq and the hollowness and the emptiness of these people who the world aspire to one day just look at. But if you were to deal with them and you sit with them in their homes, you'd see, subhanAllah, a lot of them are absolutely bankrupt, morally bankrupt. They have no basic akhlaq. And be, let's, let's not go there. The last point. She's like, on my last mission, the last job I had, I was so, just going through so many problems. 
and then I was on the deck of a yacht like imagine a sunset I'm just watching there and the, the, the owner's wife who's obviously the, also the part owner she's telling him you know you should just enjoy your life you have no idea what it, what it feels to be in my position right? I, I envy you it's like what? What are you talking about? Like you are this queen, this princess whose husband and yourself are multi-billionaires and you're sitting there. But she was so sick of her life. She's like, I wish I could, you know, almost like, you know, trade spots. Why is that? There's no deen. Billions can't bring happiness to you. Nothing can bring happiness. When the deen is not there, it's just a mirage. It seems as though they're in happiness, but if you were to go sit tight and close with them, you'll see that they're absolutely in a miserable state. That's what Rabbi ibn Abd is saying. Allah sent me to come to you, sent us to take you all out from the slavery of each other to the servitude of Allah. Number two, from the, strict, from the narrowness of this world to the vastness of this world. And lastly, Islam, From the oppressive ways of all isms, all relig- other religions and isms, Islam to the justice of Islam. This is why Allah has sent us. So now let's go back to where we started off from. That the Furqan, the Quran being a Furqan, it set the standard and cleared the path with regards to the multiple opinions regarding div- divinity or regarding divine beings. Number two, with regards to prophethood. Number three, with regards to the Sharia. Should there be a Sharia or not? And how, how, how detailed it should it be? And should it control every single second and every single movement? Or should it be that you just do whatever your nafs says? Extremes. So Furqan, Quran came and explained all of these things. This is why this surah has been also called Furqan based on the word that's used over here. And you, um, this, place, this word has been used in another place. Yawmal Furqani, Yawmal Taqal Jam'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has called the battle of Badr. Also Furqan. The battle of Badr has been called Furqan. Yawm al-Taqal Jam'an, the day when the two armies met. We all know the Badr was the first major, uh, first major battle uh, that was fought. And uh, in there, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah, uh, gave victory to the Muslims against all odds. 313 verses uh, over a thousand well-equipped and these were absolutely, absolutely ill-equipped. And Allah called that in the Quran, Yawm al-Furqan. This is the day of separation. The day of separation. You, you figure out what side of the fence were you on. Right? So we have such an amazing book we should feel so attached to and so much in love with that this book is called Furqan that even today when there's so much confusion, even today when people are, are lost, Alhamdulillah, we have Al-Furqan which tells us, you know, what's right, what's wrong. My brothers and sisters, when you see, you go past by Honestly, if you go past by a Sikh temple, you go past by a Hindu temple, you go past by a, a, a Sunday service, you go past by a, a, Saturday, a Saturday Sabbath service, you look what's happening in all these places. Even those who think that they're following God. You look in their service, you look at the prayers, you look at the goals, you look at who and how they're worshipping, and you say, Alhamdulillah, All praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has guided us towards Islam. And if it wasn't for Allah, we would have never found our way. So we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to uh, grant us the ability to make shukr and gratitude for this, for this blessing. Tabarak, translated as blessed, is Allah. Alladhi, blessed is Allah, the one who has sent down upon his servant, Al-Furqan. Right? The criterion. Ala um, abdihi, ala abdihi means upon his servant. 
What was the purpose of sending down the Furqan on, on his servant? So that the Prophet ﷺ could become the forewarner to all the worlds of the nearing judgment of Allah. I mentioned quite a bit of Furqan. So now let's talk about Tabarak. Alright, Tabarak, the word Baraka, Baraka, this usually comes with the meaning of giving you al khair al kathir, to give you a lot of good, ma more than you can imagine. Baraka, as explained by our honorable Mufti Ridaul Haq, our Ustad, would be Manafi al kathir, ma'al asbab al qalil. That a lot of benefit, كثيرة, a lot of benefit with little means. So you a sabab, I have a hundred dollars and I go buy a hundred dollar worth of things. That's normal. But I have a hundred dollars and I went to the store to go buy a hundred dollar worth of things and I found subhanAllah everything that exactly was on my list, all of it was 50% off. Alright? And then someone said, oh, we have an extra special for, you know, people who are ages 65 and above. Or someone who's got a little kid. Fulan, you got an extra 20%. What happened? This is called barakah. Right? This is called barakah. You didn't expect it. That $100, now you ended up being able to get everything you needed in $20. Sometimes you go, barakah, a person says, you know what, today I just feel like giving to you free. Yalla, bismillah, take it. This was extra. Take it. What's that? $100 give you $100 worth of return is not barakah. $100 giving you $500 worth of return, that's what's called barakah. Right? So when you have $70,000 salary, and you're able to uh, take care of all your expenses, and you still got money left over, that's called barakah. You have $250,000 salary, and you are still behind on your bills, and you still got credit card debt, and you're worried about how you're going to get out of your mortgage, well that's called, not equal, that's called no barakah. You see people today, they're earning half a million, more than a quarter of a million, and everyone you speak to them, parishan, worried. I don't know how I'm going to pay my credit card. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. What, why is that? That's just loads amount of money. But it's, the reason is there's no barakah. That's why no matter how much they earn, it never seems to be enough. And the flip side of it, you have a person, subhanAllah, who's earning 45, 50. But you ask him, you got any brother, what credit card? Are you crazy? Everything that comes in, I cut it, shred it, put it, throw it away. And I don't have a single credit card. Right? Alhamdulillah, I'm comfortable. I've got nothing. If I die today, everything's paid for. Right? My kids don't have to worry. My wife doesn't have to worry about any debts. What's, and he, is he dead? Is he half dead? Is he, is he 100 pounds less than he should be? Everything is taken care of. His kids are well fed. He's well fed. His wife is well fed. Everyone's wearing clothes. They have not just one. They have multiple pairs. SubhanAllah with 50,000. Where happened to the 450,000 guy? Why is he sitting there scratching his head wondering, oh man, I got to start up another side business. I got to do another investment. Why? That's, there's no barakah. Especially when the intentions are not good and you're investing in haram. You're earning haram. Of course there's no barakah. You're going to be in there. I remember Hazrat Mufti Radha al-Haq Damad Barakatim, again our honorable Ustad, he would say once, I remember him, he was speaking about the salary he would get when he was an Ustad in Pakistan, in Binori town, in the you know, late 70s, early 80s. I, can't, I don't remember, but I can imagine it was pennies, right? 40, 50 years ago, that also an Ustad in a, in a Karachi, in a madrasa, what the, what the ulama subhanAllah make? Even now, what do they make? But especially then, and he would say, now in South Africa, of course it's not in, in Pakistani rupees, it's in rands, and you know, it's, it's a much larger amount than that. And he said, but I remember that the money that would, I would make over there would be so much barakah in it, right? It would be barakah. Not to say that there's no barakah in what he earns now, but the idea is the barakah there, in that poverty, there was just something always left over. In that difficulty, there would always be 
uh, extra that you would have available. And so when a person, uh, depending on where you're earning the money, where you're, where you're working, and where you are uh, you know, dealing with, if a person who's giving you your income, uh, your salary, if he himself is muttaqi, or if you are serving in a place that is a place of taqwa, then that little salary, subhanallah, might be barakah. But if you go earn a million um, a year at a casino, as something there, whatever position they have, Right, like a CEO, there's not gonna be barakah in that. How can you be warring with Allah Azza wa Jal? How could there be barakah? So it really has to do a lot with what type of risk we are gaining as well. Where is it coming from? Where barakah comes in? If we are playing our cards right, right, not in the uh, uh, gambling sense, but in the in the sense of making the right decisions, then we will see, inshallah, that there will be barakah in our earnings. This is my beloved brothers and sisters. That's why, besides just worried about our expenses and our earnings, we have to make dua to Allah to put barakah. Ask Allah. All of us should ask Allah. That ya Allah, put give me halal mubarak risk. Halal mubarak risk. Don't ask necessarily for more. Don't ask necessarily for more. Ask for barakah in it. More is sometimes less. Sometimes you, you're still now in bigger debt than you were before. So, so this is the definition of barakah. That with little means, you get a lot. Okay? So now Quran uses barakah in many different places. In the Quran, you know, different places. And what are some of the meanings of that? One, of the, one meaning is, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, tabaraka, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free from any similarity with His creation. There's nothing that can, there's no similitude, there's no similarity between Allah and His creation. And that's one meaning. And a, number, a second meaning is um, Allah ta'ala qadruhu, that His, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's status and His honor is great. Allah's status and honor is great. That's the second meaning. And the third meaning is عَظُمَ خَيْرُهُ وَأَطَاعُهُ That his khair and what he gives is great. Okay. So all three words apply here. تَبَارَكَ الَّذِي Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is honorable, and honored, most honored. Number two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is free from any similitude and similarity with His creation. Number three, His, his, his gifts are amazing. Right? That's the meaning of tabarakah. So, when we think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's gifts, notice here, every gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like the gift of Quran especially, and the gift of ajr, these are our mubarak gifts, because a mubarak gift is a gift that never ends. They say the t- anything of this gift, any they say the diamond, huh? something that was so so called everlasting. But subhanallah, when qiyamah, when the day of judgment will come, will the diamond be around? Everything has to go. Every single blessing of this world that was from this mud must come to an end. And any blessing that is coming and made from elements of the akhirah, ajr, reward, jannah. If it's not made from the elements of this world, it will be everlasting. But any type of blessing that is from this world must come to an end. So when you think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's gift, which is the biggest gift, He gave us Qur'an. This is definitely the most everlasting gift. It will everlast everything. It will be with us where? Even in the grave. That is why we are reminded to recite Surah Al-Sajda and Surah Al-Mulk every night between Maghrib and Isha or afterwards. Surah Al-Mulk and Surah Sajda. Allah will allow Surah Al-Mulk and Surah Sajda to have a shape and form in our grave. 
and the angels will descend in the grave to ask questions. A man will be looking. Who is this person standing at my feet? Guarding, the, guarding me. Well, this is, this is the book of Allah. This is the Quran. This is your sajda. This is your mulk that you recited that now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has deputed. Think about that. Where is the diamond ring going to be? What blessing out there can you think of that's going to be with you in the grave protecting you? My beloved brothers and my dear students, think about that the investment you and I are doing, seeking ilm and studying the deen, there is nothing more blessed than this. If, you, if you're wondering, is it worth it I'm sweating? Is it worth it that I have to deal with so much hardship? Is it worth it that I am dealing with things that I don't like to, things that are go against my nafs, thing, people that I don't know, people necessarily I might not get along with? Is it all worth it? Trust me, if you think about where you're headed, that these, this ilm that you're gaining, this Quran that you're memorizing, this Arabic that you're studying, this hadith and fiqh that you're studying, where's the reward? Are you really doing it to get a paycheck at the end of the year? No. It's all about the akhirah. So if it's about the reward is in the akhirah, then whatever difficulty you go through is well worth it. These are the meanings of tabaraka that we can apply over here. Notice here Rasulullah has been called abd. Because my beloved brothers, when a human being reaches the highest level of progress, what is that? He becomes an abd. And a, a human being in Abd of who? I'm sorry, Abd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Abd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the highest level of progress. When a human being, on the other hand, the, becomes his relationship with another human being, being becomes of a slave, that's the lowest level. Highest level is you become a slave of Allah. Lowest level is you become a slave of another human being. Now today, we, there's modern day slavery for sure happening all over. We, that's there, let's, let's leave that for another day. But I want you to understand that the trends and fashions that people are all around us are involved in, social media, addiction to all of that, constant posting, constant purchasing this and that, wearing, having certain brand names, and everything related to that. What is that? In reality, that is also a slavery to people. Because a person... He doesn't even know why he's doing what he's doing. He's simply doing it because everyone else is doing it. He simply doesn't want to be left out. He doesn't want to have FOMO. Right? He wants to make sure he fits in. He wants to make sure that he's got something that he can show like the rest. One person bought a, a certain type of car, you'll see the next door neighbor buying it. We know. Even I'm, I'm sorry, even 70-year-olds are in the same rat race. It's I gotta fit in. Whether you're 17 or 70, this kira, you know, this disease doesn't go away of trying to fit in. And this idea of trying to fit in is what we're talking about, slavery to people. Who is a man who's not a slave? He says, I will do whatever I need to do and I don't care if people ostracize me. I will speak the truth. I will lead a life that I want and I think is correct no matter who says what. I don't need to be on social media. I don't need to have a certain purse. I don't need to have a certain cell phone. I don't need to drive a certain car. I don't need to dye my hair in a certain manner, have a certain fashion, hair fashion, certain type of clothes. I don't need to go to a certain vacation spot. I don't need to go to a certain Instagram spot. Ajeeb, the Instagram trends, oh my God. SubhanAllah, what does that tell you? Going on a certain mountain, taking a, uh, you know, a photo shoot, uh, brides going on a certain, I don't even know these things, but somehow the news sometimes, if the news reports it, I'll read it. But you know, what, one latest trend of this and the latest trend of that, some of these trends are such that it ends up a person, what? Ends up dying. 
So now you have police and healthcare people warning people, for Allah's sake, don't fall into this TikTok trend. Don't fall into this Instagram trend. Don't fall into this Snapchat trend. Because people are like, oh, he did it, I have to do that. I have to go to a certain city, restaurant, take a picture there and just post it. But what, this is senseless. What are you doing? All, like, I'm telling you, all of our, the behavior in our society, if you start studying it from the masjid right now, you'll see to what degree it's senseless, it's useless, it makes, it makes no logical sense, half of the things we're doing, and what society is doing. Because we have become slaves to the society. We have become slaves, we're not free people, we're not. All these musicians, they're, they're masters, they control the masses. 250 million, 350 million subscribers, and anything with the, you know, when they say jump, the whole crowd says, how high? What is that? That's slavery to a human being. That's the worst thing you can be. That's the lowest, asfala safilid. That's when you drop and hit rock bottom. And when you ascend and ascend, 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 all the way to the top till you get to where? Mi'raj. There's nothing higher than that. What happens? Subhanallah asra bi'abdihi. Glory be to Allah. He is the one who took his servant on that night. That is the height of any human or, or any human, uh, you know, flight, spiritual flight and real flight, is Mi'raj, the Prophet heavenly ascension. And at that time, Allah uses the word Abd. He uses the word Abd. He doesn't use the word Nabi. He doesn't use the word Rasul. He doesn't use any other word. He doesn't use his name. He uses the word Abd. Because this tells us that this is the height of a person's progress, that you become a slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the flip side of it is when a person becomes slaves to one another. There was a very nice explanation by what, by, also by a scholar, that when a person becomes an abd of Allah, he becomes an abd from Allah to take from him. And when we become a slave to another human being, we become a slave to give him. We serve, the slave serves the master. And when it comes to our relationship of servitude with Allah, it's not about serving Him because He needs us. What can you do for Allah? The reason we serve Him and serve His deen is so that because He gives so much. Imagine if I say, I'm going to pay you $400 an hour. Come and vacuum the masjid, for example. Right? Who would ever think that they are doing a, a favor to me? Right? Or favor to the masjid? Like, no, I'm in for the money, man. $400 an hour? This is crazy. I don't even I, if there's any other place I'll uh, what you call uh, uh, you know vacuum the tile too if I can do that <laughs> right anything what, vacuum the grass four hundred dollars an hour so a person doesn't think he's doing ihsan instead he feels so honored that he's getting paid so much for such little work that's what it is why are you worshiping Allah because seriously Allah needs you Allah needs me no because Allah pays so much he pays so high he pays so great. And that's why we say, I'd rather be a slave of Allah than a slave of anyone else. Does that make sense? Right? So this is what we are learning from here. Is that uh, a slave, a human being becomes a slave to another human being to serve him, to take, uh, to give him. While we become a slave to Allah, not to give Allah, but rather to take from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What was the purpose of all of this? For Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and for the, for, uh, to become a forewarner for the worlds. My brothers and sisters, was Rasulullah only a nadira, a warner? No. He was what also? Bashira. Exactly. Why is Bashira not mentioned here? Because the discussion in the next few verses is about those people who deny the Quran, deny Rasulullah's status. So that's why we start off this verse by saying, 
you know what? The purpose of Rasulullah is to warn you, forewarn you. Here, glad tidings has not been mentioned because we're dealing with people who from the very get-go, they need a little hiding, they need a little beat-up, you know? They need a little kan kichna. You know, their ear got to be pulled. They don't understand. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses that over here. Alameen. There are many worlds. There's a world of humans. There's a world of jinn. There's a world of angels. There's a world of animals of the sea, animals of the earth, animals of the heavens, sky, right? There are so many different dimensions possibly as well. All of these are our alameen. Plural. Uh, but the Nabi والسلام, was sent for uh, the alam of the, yeah, and our, uh, uh, yeah, the Quran is sent as a sharia for who? For the humans and the jinn. Thaqalain. Right? Humans and the jinn. Alladhi, who is this Allah who sent this Quran this, as a criterion? Lahu mulku samawati wal ard. He is the one to whom belongs all the dominion. Mulk means dominion. As samawati wal ard. Over the heavens and the earth. And who has never taken for himself any offspring? Walad offspring. And he has never had any partner in all of the dominion. And he alone is the one who has created everything. And he's determined all of it with a precise determination. Right. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this second verse is mentioning that in the previous surah, in the last surah, what was the last surah before this? No, that's the one we covered in tafsir. But the, what was the surah? That is in the Quran before this. Surah Nur. The, the last surah, uh, the last ayah was there. Listen to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Belongs everything that is in the heavens and in the earth. In the heavens and the earth. Okay? So over there, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about how He owns everything that's inside the heavens and the earth. And in over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about the heavens and the earth itself, which means the container. So Allah in the previous surah ended that by speaking about that He owns what's inside the varf, what's inside the container. What's the container? The heavens and the earth. And in this surah, He begins it with saying He also owns the container. One is I own the, please, you know, once those biscuits are mine. Right? That's cookies are mine. But one is, by, you can have the cookies are yours, but the container is mine. But now there's one who owns the container and the cookies. Right? So, Allah. so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala owns the heavens and the earth and everything that is in between it. And then beyond that, Allah Azza wa Jal, usually when people do something like this, they own, they have a huge, uh, they own a lot, property, own company. What's the first thing you start thinking about the CEO of a company and moving forward? What is that? What's going to happen to the next generation? Right? How are you going to pass this wealth down? Right? How, that's it. Everyone's going to be, how, you know, the CEO's son is going to take over. The owner, founder, is his son going to take over? His daughter going to take over? How does that work? What is the game plan for the next generation? Well, guess what? Allah's game plan is that he's in charge forever. He doesn't have a son. He doesn't have a child. And, oh, what about arguments and fights that are going to happen between partners over time? Right now you're small. Once you become real big, you know what happens all the time. When you become big, subhanAllah, things start happening. Things start messing around. People start coming trying to take over your business, etc. No, he has no one to take over. He has no one to mess with him. He has no one. He, he is alone. Complete, complete, complete owner of everything. Why should it not be? Because he's created everything. Who, who would have the ability to challenge him when every single thing besides him is makhluk. The one of the meanings of um, shay that we did here, what is shay? Everything. Khalaqakulla shay, create everything. And similarly, the meaning of alameen that we just did. Alam and shay. They say, Masi wallah fahu alam. Masi wallah fahu shay. Everything besides Allah is shay. And everything besides Allah is alam. Another meaning of the alam, already I covered in the previous verse, but just 
uh, to highlight something here. Alam summi alam li annahu alamatun. Yani alamatu wujudillah. The alam has been called an alam because it is an alama. It's a sign from the same word. Alama, sign. The entire world is a sign for the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, it's sad when someone sees multiple signs, they look crazy people, man. They got slow down sign, watch, your, watch pedestrian, fulan, fulan. People still rushing through, driving through the parking lot, driving through the school zone. What's wrong with these people? Can't they read the signs? Similarly, there's a sign that says, you know, uh, turn right ahead and you got the GPS working and everything. And still sometimes if a person misses it, they'll say, what's wrong with you? Where were you? You didn't hear, you didn't listen, you didn't watch. How did you miss the exit? But imagine, subhanAllah, if a person who lives in this entire world for 80 years, every single thing is a signboard according to Allah, pointing towards Allah. How every single thing, from this laptop to this phone to this mic, every single thing. When you sit in a plane, what do you think about this, man? It's a piece of metal I'm speaking into right now. Piece of metal. What's going on? How did the man come with this creation? To have this sound emanating from all these different, you know, anonymous places you can't even see, hidden in the different parts of this building. And from there, people simultaneously are listening live in many continents of the world as we speak. How is this happening? This is, yes, the engineers, engineering capabilities and intelligence, but then who's behind that? Allah. So every single thing is a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's greatness and existence. How sad that a person leads his entire life in this world and dies without recognizing Allah's existence. So, okay, now there are many ways a person can create. Allah said, I created everything. My question is, what, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الْخَالِقِينَ In Surah what's that? Mu'minun. The, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of creators. So does that mean there's more than one creator? Isa alayhi salam, he says, أَخْلُقُ كَهَيْئَةِ الطَّيْرِ فَأَنْفَقُ فِيهِ فَيَكُونُ طَيْرًا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ I create something, I mold something, akhluk, I create like a bird, and then I blow into it, fayakunu tayran, and flies away with the permission of Allah. Here, Isa is talking about the word akhluk, I create. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, He is the best of creators, plural. So that means there's a lot of creators, and then there's one best is Allah. How, do, how are we supposed to understand that when we, say, when we say Allah is the one who created everything? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so kind, there's two types of creation, or two types, one is making, one is creating. What we all do is we make. We take raw materials that are existing in the world and we sit there through using the raw materials that have been created by Allah and using the intelligence that Allah has given us, we take them together and form them into something. An airplane may have 300 million parts, right? From all different things. Doesn't make a difference if it's 100 million or 300 million. At the end of the day, they came from where? They came from the earth. So as, as, as amazing as a feat it is to have a, a huge uh, you know, passenger jet flying, worth, you know, weighing hundreds of tons in the, in the sky, but where did it come from? It came from the earth. It came from something that was already in existence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's method of creation is to take something from non-existence and to create into existence. There's, he's, never, he's not using existing materials. He's taking things that were never present, and to make it present. But Allah is so kind, He still calls us what? Khaliq. He said, no problem. I will let you attribute this to yourself. Ahsanul Khaliqeen. Right? You are sitting there, and you are just mixing things together. 
You want to call yourself a khalik? Go ahead. It's like little kids. You know, they have their little kitchens and they have their little different things. And, you know, subhanAllah, sometimes they're making roti there. Sometimes they're making biryani there. Sometimes they're making tea. I'm sure, mashallah, those of you who have young children have been offered tea many times or something else. All right? And it's, it's a joke, right? And what do we do? Get mad at them? What's this? Too bitter? Too strong? There's too much pati? Too, huh? No, we don't say that. Mashallah, we sit there and sip it. Make them happy. So why? Because you just let them play around. This is, this is play, man. Just let them play. They get happy with it. Same thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, oh, you want to call yourself a creator by doing these things? Okay, no problem. Go ahead. Right? But the real creator, of course, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How did he create it? فَقَدَّرَهُ تَقْدِيرًا Every single thing is, everything is very predetermined. Very precise. Um, from the amount of rotations the earth makes around itself on its axis to around the sun, the, the galaxies. All of these things, their movement Nothing is haphazard. Otherwise, our days and nights would be messed up. Otherwise, our seasons would be messed up. Otherwise, temperatures would be messed up. Everything would mess up. So that's, you look at every single thing out there and you'll see there's absolute precision. Unfortunately, these people are blind. Yet, those who disbelieve have taken gods apart from Allah. Apart. Alihatan, plural of ilah, gods. Such gods, la yakhluquna shay'a. They cannot create shay'an anything. Rather, وَهُمْ يُخْلَقُونَ They themselves have been created. وَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ لِأَنفُسِهِمْ ضَرًّا They do not hold for themselves the power of harm, نَفْعًا nor benefit. How could they harm or benefit someone else when they cannot harm or benefit themselves? وَلَا يَمْلِكُونَ مَوْتًا Nor do they hold the power over death. وَلَا حَيَاتًا Nor life وَلَا نُشُورًا Or resurrection Three different stages of human being have been mentioned here Mawt, Hayat, Nushur you're, you're, We were non-existent Then Allah gave us life Then we shall die And then we will be raised up again These false gods Do not have an ability to put their finger Into any of these three stages of life Before birth After birth and birth And then after death being resurrected None of these things. They have no share. They cannot help themselves and they cannot help anyone else. They cannot give benefit to anyone. They cannot benefit themselves. Rather, as we just did in the last surah of Surah Al-Hajj, the last day, In these, those false gods that you invoke besides Allah, they cannot even create one fly. Even if they were all gathered together with all their might and power, they cannot create one fly. Meaning they cannot put the soul in it. They can make something that looks like a fly, a 3D print, and whatever else. But they're never going to be able to put the soul. It may become robotic. It might move around, sure. It might do things of that sort. But the ruh, where are you going to get the ruh from? That they cannot do. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Moreover, those who disbelieved said, قَالَ They said, الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا Those who disbelieved. In هَذَا Indeed, this is but a fabrication. In nafia, right? This is not but. In, in the meaning of negation, this is not but ifkun, a fabrication. If tarahu, that he who claims to be a messenger, yani Muhammad sallallahu billah, has forged. Wa'aanahu, a'ana means to get assistance. A'anahu, he has been assisted. Alayhi upon this forgery, qawmun akharun, another group of people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about this type of 
accusation against Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He says, وزورة, Thus truly they have come forth with a grave wrongdoing and falsehood. So if one is truth and one is falsehood, one is the misrepresentation of the truth as falsehood. You know what I'm trying to say? When something is, 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 is true, something is wrong, right and wrong. One is you take something which is right and you misrepresent it as though it's false. That's even worse. Bhutan, as what they did to Aisha radiallahu anha in the story mentioned in Surah An-Nur. Waqi'atul ifk, the story of the false accusation. So here, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is the only one who has a truth. Everyone needs the truth he came with. But instead of accepting it as a truth and saying, we are here to learn, they flip it. And say, no, we're here to teach you that what you are saying is not only wrong, but you are actually falsely ascribing to be a prophet, falsely ascribing to be receiving revelation. Billah. This is ifk. And you have your cronies, a'udhu billah, who are helping you promote this type of, uh, you know, uh, uh, message. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, who said this? Nadar bin Harith. Nadar bin Harith began to say these type of things. And then, other kuffar began to repeat the same propaganda. That the Qur'an is uh, false and fake and that the Prophet ﷺ is forging all of these things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَقَدْ جَاءُوا ظُلْمًا وَزُورًا You know when you make a decision about something, when a judge makes a decision about something, he first has witnesses and then he passes a judgment. Imagine if you have false witnesses, they false, they're giving false testimony. Then the decision is going to be wrong. So what's the first thing you need? Testimony, right? Then you make a decision. Notice here. Zuran is referring to the testimony, which is false. Zulman is that is wrong and an incorrect decision. Decision comes first or second? Is here it's coming first. Usually in court of law, what happens? You listen to the witnesses, then you make a decision. Here, notice Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings a false decision first in the Qur'an and then after that mentions false witnesses. Because that's what the disbelievers did. They already decided from the very get-go that we're not going to believe in Allah and His Rasul, we're not going to believe in the Qur'an. That, that's what they said that we're going to do. Now they go around searching for false witnesses. Isn't that what happens today? That people already decide, I'm not going to follow the deen. This is too hard. This is backwards. They decided. It's not like I want to search the truth. No, I don't, I, I, I don't feel comfortable with this. They, you know, I'm not going to follow this part of the deen. They decide that. Then they'll go fatwa shopping and they will find some maniac in some part of the world who, who doesn't know anything about the deen but wrote a fatwa that XYZ is permissible. Because you will always find enough majnoons all around the world. All the time. There have always been these, these people who are, who are on the fringe. They have nothing to do with scholarship. But just because you, you, you can take a verse from uh, Google and post it somewhere does not make you a mufti. But that's what they'll do. So you'll find all these people. Today, every single deviant idea out there, you'll find someone from the Muslim community supporting it. And they'll bring a proof for it from the Qur'an too. Billah. So the people who are promoting that, they're not looking for the truth, please. They have already decided that we want to accept this type of ideology. So let's just go find a bunch of false witnesses. Like you have people who have written books on saying how Billah, LGBTQ is supported by the Qur'an and it's complete support of Islam. You've got people who do workshops, seminars <clears throat> in, you know, all over the country and beyond. So what happens? Who, who, who speaks about that? People have already decided, oh, I feel that, you know what, Islam should be open to this stuff. Or I'm one of those type of people. So now I'm going to go find some false witnesses. This is exactly what this is happening over here. Zulman, they've already decided oppressively 
incorrectly that they're not going to follow the deen. And then they go trying to get false witnesses. وَقَالُوا And the disbelievers also said, أَسَاطِيرُ أُسْطُورَ أَسَاطِيرُ means tales. أُسْطُورَ أَسَاطِيرُ That these are the tales of the ancients. That the Qur'an is a bunch of stories of the past people. اِكْتَتَبَهَا Which he has sought to write down. فَهِيَ تُمْلَى عَلَيْهِ Thus they are dictated to him by, one, by another person. بُكْرَةً Early morning. وَأَصِيرًا Late afternoon. Meaning he doesn't know how to write. We know, they themselves said that. It was well known. He doesn't know how to write. doesn't know how to read. What's happening? But he's got these amazing things. Well, what's the answer? If he doesn't read and he doesn't write, you see this very well. And the fact that he has got this amazing Qur'an, which you have no response to, it, you have no way to respond to that because they were the ones who knew the Arabic language better than anyone else. And they realize the, 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 the composition of the words of the Qur'an, the fasaha, the balagha, the eloquence of it, literally it was unmatched. So what is the explanation to this? Well, then they came with something Foolish that someone comes in the night or in the morning and maybe multiple times a day and is dictating. Brothers, can you just find who's that dictating? I mean, are you saying that there are people within Arabia, there's some unknown people who are actually more eloquent in Arabic language than you lot? All of you put together, you cannot bring one verse of the Quran. Allah challenged them. Allah says, bring a surah. He said, no, bring something equivalent to the Quran. Okay, khalas. You can't do that? Bring a surah. Well, you can't do that? Bring one ayah. If you can't do that, how can you think that there's someone dictating all of this every day? Bring him. Let's see him. Isn't this so ajib? Like when you are, yani, you've decided to go the wrong way and become a slave to your desires, literally you lose your mind. You have a hijab, a veil on your aql, on your intelligence. This is, this is the type of speech that they had. That there's someone sitting there dictating because he couldn't obviously have come up with it. Okay, if you can come up with it, why don't you come up with it? No. Where's this guy? Where is he? They don't know where he is, but somehow or another, he's being dictated the Quran. Qul, tell them, Anzalahu الذي يعلم السر في السماوات والأرض. It's not being dictated by anyone. O Prophet of Allah, tell them, the one who alone knows every secret in the heavens and the earth has most surely sent it down as a divine revelation. إِنَّهُ كَانَ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا Indeed, ever is he of forgiving and mercy giving. In this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning what a, he could have said anything. He could have said, the one who created you, sent the Qur'an. The one who provides for you, sent the Qur'an. Uh, the one who, uh, who, uh, who, uh, who gives you death and life, sent the Qur'an. But instead he says, the one who knows the secret. Okay, subhanAllah. He's saying, okay, say you think it's being dictated by someone. How does this someone know so many secrets of this creation? How does this someone come with miraculous explanations of things? For example, uh, when the, uh, the Romans were beat by the Persians. And Nabi Sallallahu was sad that the Persians over, uh, yani, defeated the Romans. Although they were both non-Muslims. But the Prophet Sallallahu had a stronger affinity because the Romans were at least people of a book. Uh, and as, as opposed to the Persians. So he was sad about that. And then, he received, recited the verse. It was, Alif Lam Mim, Ghulibat Rum. The Romans have been defeated. But soon after they've been defeated, they will defeat their enemy. How do you sit there in Makkah al-Makarramah when the news is reached that the Romans have been defeated to sit and make such a bold claim which you know that if it's wrong, even the people who are following you today will forsake you. Because this is not something that is, you have to wait till the day of judgment to see. 
Within the next few years, we'll see. How do you make such a big, bold statement about world events? Knowing that if I'm not right, then even my own followers will turn their back to me. He knew what he's speaking is from Allah. This is the secret that you all don't know. And sure enough, that day came. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And the day they will win, this will happen will be at the day when the believers themselves will be joyous over their own victory. What day was that? The day of Badr. The day of Badr is a day when the Romans also beat the Persians. The same day. And it's all being mentioned years before this incident happened. Years before. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about the uh, various uh, you know, animals in the Quran. Creation of the heavens and the earth in the Quran. Uh, water cycle in the Quran. Right? Uh, in, in talking about embryology in the Quran. These are all secrets. So this guy who is dictating to the Prophet ﷺ, how does he know these secrets? Who is he? Let's go see him. Meaning the idea is that Ya'lam al-Sirra is saying, Oh disbelievers, please, be logical. The Quran is filled with so many amazing <coughs> secrets of the world. This cannot be from a human being. You know it. Just accept it. That Allah who knows all these secrets is the one who revealed this Quran. Indeed, He is oft forgiving and mercy giving. What is this? Why is that? What is it? We're talking about any people who are disbelieving. We've been talking about them in the past five ayats. Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying He's oft forgiving and mercy giving? Allah azza wa jal wants us to know that the doors of tawbah are always open. Even the disbeliever, we've gotten mad at you, we've warned you, we said, nadira, no bashira. But now, look, within the next few ayats, Allah brought ghafoor rahimah That even now, if you wish to repent, you will find Allah to be the most forgiving, the most merciful. Isn't that beautiful? That whenever Allah gets upset, or when Allah shows His jalal, He will immediately, either in that verse or the next few verses, will show His jamal. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows His anger, He will definitely show His mercy as well. And so also, when dealing with people in the world, we also have to do the same thing as, fa- as parents, as teachers, as caregivers, whatever the case may be. If our position entails that it means that we have to show a sternness at times, we then also have to show softness immediately in that same few minutes or a few hours and balance it out. Uh, Umar Khattab radiallahu anhu, someone came to him and said, if you remember a few days, a few weeks ago in tafsir, we spoke about his brother Zayd bin Khattab as well. Um, so someone came and said to Umar Khattab radiallahu anhu, هَذَا قَاتِلُ أَخِيكَ Do you know this is the one who killed your brother, Zayd bin Khattab? So Umar radiallahu anhu said, وَمَاذَا أَفْعَلُ بِهِ وَقَدْ هَدَاهُ اللَّهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ What do you want me to do? Allah has already guided him towards Islam. I, I gotta keep my hands off of him. Right? Uh, Hind, who motivated Wahshi to kill Hamza radiallahu anhu, and then to, to, make an, uh, to, to mutilate his body, and then to take his organs, and she made, cut them into pieces, and made a necklace of his organs. Yet, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided to guide her. Hands off. No one can say anything. So people who've done the worst possible things, ghafoor ar-rahimah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven them. So anyone who chooses to seek forgiveness from Allah today, who's listening, tomorrow who will listen, and we haven't done any of these type of evil sins. Alhamdulillah. We haven't killed uh, Hamza radiallahu anhu. We haven't hurt uh, the Prophet sallallahu in a manner that these, these kuffar hurt. Alhamdulillah, we've made sins, mistakes, yes. But we are believers. And inshallah, the day we repent, Allah azza wa will find him to be the most forgiving and most merciful. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us the tawfiq.
to do that, inshaAllah. Let's take some quick some questions, inshaAllah. You can go to slido.com, 495-5870 for today. 495-5870. Uh, and you, these are a way to ask anonymously. If you've got any questions about our dars, go to slido.com or take a picture of this QR code and it will prompt you. Uh, and you can, inshallah, ask something beneficial. 495-5870. Additionally, if you have a more detailed fiqhi question, uh, please don't hesitate to email uh, and set, use the link masjidds.org forward slash question. Masjidds.org forward slash question. If you need a fatwa about something or you got a fiqhi question, by all means, inshallah, you can also um, use that link to send your, send your questions. Inshallah ta'ala, this coming weekend, our Tafim program will be starting Saturday morning and Sunday morning, 10 a.m. till 1 p. 1.15. Online and on-site classes for both men, women, ages, you know, high school and above, college students, working adults, professionals, uh, people working from home. Or, uh, the classes are all live as well as recorded online. You can uh, access them as the classes are happening or you can access them afterwards. Um, and I encourage all who are listening here, uh, you know, please get your sons and daughters or yourselves, your spouses to enroll in this class. This is the only academic class that is taught online. The rest of our classes are all taught in person. So if you want to start your journey of seeking ilm, I know schools are starting. This is a great time to get our life in order a little bit after the summer break. So consider... Uh, so consider, inshallah, benefiting from these classes that are going to be taught this semester, uh, this Saturday... The Saturday class will be the fiqh of salah. Number two, the surahs of salah, which means the seer of the surahs, the last ten surahs in surah Fatiha. And number three, purification of the heart, which is a book of Imam Ghazali called Al-Arba'in fi Usul al-Din, where disease of the heart and the remedies are going to be taught on Saturday. And Sunday will be the history and the development of fiqh. Number two, an introduction to hadith sciences. And number three, aqidah or uh, creed. So these are super important classes, inshallah, that will be taught Saturday, Sunday, uh, so please learn about that, masjidds.org. Additionally, our Sunday school will be starting for ages 6 to 16 in a few uh, weeks. So if you have not already enrolled your younger children in that, the best thing is you enroll your kids in Sunday school and yourself attend uh, the Tafim program, inshallah, at the same time. Um, Alright, so a credit card premise, even though I pay off the whole amount. If a person is avoiding interest and you're set up on auto payment and you are not, uh, uh, um, you know, falling behind on that, then that, sh- that is permissible. Um. In Surah Jathiyah, why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have multiple back-to-back verses describing adab of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What this is, Jathiyah is, uh, that's, Good surah, maybe we'll you know, cover that as well, inshallah. It's a shorter one. So Jathiyah is the, the name itself is filled with awe. It's when people are begging for their uh, you know, uh, safety on their knees. That's what Jathiyah means. So this is where the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there. But definitely you'll find, it's not possible that you do not find verse, the names of Allah's mercy, uh, even on the first, first page. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be using the word Rahim and Hakim and, and, and you know Ghafoor and all those stuff you will definitely find it all over the surah uh, uh, you know verses of, of uh, names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in which benevolence and forgiveness is mentioned why does the Quran mention the oneness of Allah over and over because this is the most fundamental thing you cannot get anywhere in life if we do not get, th- get, get to this point 
which is Tawheed, Tawheed, Tawheed. We have to get through Tawheed first and after that everything else. Once you understand Tawheed, then you will logically come to Risala, prophethood. Then you will logically come towards Quran. But if a person doesn't get to understand Tawheed, then everything else won't make sense. Well, Prophet Lut was asked to move from his city. Was a hukum for us in a situation where the LGBTQ is going viral? Oh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala told him to move because he was going to destroy that nation. Right now, we're not going to be destroyed, inshallah, if we are doing our job to protect ourselves. This LGBTQ is not something only in United States; it's spreading across the globe. Eventually, sooner or later, this will, you know, uh, become more common. Unfortunately, elsewhere as well. So we have to educate ourselves and our children and uh, you know, take care of our deen in our homes, in our masajid, to the best of our ability. Uh, if a, I'm in a relationship and having to, trying to make it halal, but her parents want her to first finish education and then pursue the marriage. Please advise. Well, um, it best is to speak to them again, have someone speak to them, as, uh, and, and together as a family, try to iron things out. And if it's not possible, then two things, either you wait or you move on. Are our addictions that we suffer, are they the hardships that you mentioned in today's tafsir or are they self-inflicted in a different category? Addictions to sin is also a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if as long as a person continuously feels guilty and is repenting. You should regard that as a test. And inshallah, if you keep on repenting and you keep on begging Allah for a way out, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide a way out. Definitely. should not feel overwhelmed by that to think that you know what, I'm destined to hell because I keep on slipping into something. You should have hope that the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you this sadness over the sin and hatred towards the sin, this itself is a very great blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, inshallah, this, we'll continue with the questions uh, and other questions, you know, from next week after Maghrib. And there's a request for um, a dua, a maghfirah. Um, uh, one of the brothers here, his, his uncle passed away. Uh, in, in Hyderabad, we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to grant him forgiveness. Um, brother uh, Muhammad Habib, uh, uh, we ask Allah Azza wa Jal, Allah Mufillahu, Warhamu, Wafuanu, Adhilu Jannah, Wanaqim, Nadunuka, Maina Kathob, Abidu, and Dennis, Wajal Kabro, Rodas, and Riyadh Jannah, Wajal Hufrat, and Menhofer in Nar, Lamala Tahrim, Najra, or Taftina Bada, Wabdilu, Daran Hiram and Dari, Wahalan Hiram and Ali, Amin Rabbil Alameen, Subhan Rabbi Rabbil Azati and Masifun, Salaman and Mursaleen, Hamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum, Tullahi Warakatu.